Hey everybody, welcome to Electric Leftovers. My name is Jason. This is episode number 167. How are you? Uh, our last episode was called It's Very Windy uh, because of something that showed up in the News of the Weird. This episode is not called It's Very Windy, but it is still very windy. Whence last we spoke, uh, some new stuff has happened. Uh, we've got some Mega Man X Command Mission, Legend and Zelda Panoply of Kalatea, and some more 70s robot anime, Gepi X, which uh, I'm going to maybe finish recording tonight. I don't know. we got another project to start it, and uh, it's uh, monthly for next month. We'll see. Who knows? Uh, also, um, no new soundtracks as of yet, and uh, at this point... No new Mystery Science Theater either. It's been a long weekend, so... Sorry, not everything's been done. Uh, but stuff will still happen. Kind of like this. The magical gem that kept the castle of Toal has been kept safe to keep its great power from being abused, and the young princess is being trained by her grandfather to keep the gem safe when she is ready to take the throne. One night, in a brilliant flash of light, the gem is taken, and the king is nearly destroyed by the invaders. If it weren't for the princess, he would be no more. The princess takes flight. Kind of. After the villains that have taken the gem, and she vows to bring it back. And that, folks, is the back of the box for Magical Poppin' from Polestar and Pac-In Video released for the Super Nintendo in 1995. A game I stumbled on by chance, just looking for some uh, hidden gems on the Super Nintendo. And this one came up, and it's kind of a 2D side-scrolling kind of Zelda, kind of Castlevania kind of thing. Uh, platformer with some magic and some bosses. Uh, super good music, super good graphics, uh, just really, really fun game. Uh, played this over a stream, so it took uh, only two episodes to get through the whole thing. 
Uh, check it out. It's it's a lot of fun. And if you have the opportunity, find it and play it. You know, I normally say something like, I don't know how the reviews for this are going to go, and I've been saying that a lot lately, and it is no different today. <clears throat> so let's see. Uh, nobody we know. Um, it's got a couple... It rated pretty average. We're going to do the detailed review, because it has given it the worst score. Bloop, change monitors. Here we go. Alright, Magic Sword is neither the best nor the worst of its kind, but it can still be good fun to play in now and again. A Magic Sword, could you tell? Review by Mr. Sinister. This review comes with a foreword. Forward! Magic Sword is a title that I played in my local arcade quite randomly one day as a young lad. The game I was looking to get onto was occupied, so I strolled around until I found something that wasn't being played, and lo and behold, there it was. Space exclamation point, exclamation point. I really enjoyed the arcade version, so I was very keen on picking up a copy of the Super NES port when I heard it had been released. What was it like? Read on. Overview and objective of the game. 
Magic Sword is arcade simplicity at its best. You don't pick a character, you have one given to you. You don't pick weaponry or armor, you have it given to you. All you have to do is move, hit, and jump. The game is a simple platform title where you play the part of a warrior who is on a quest to ascend a magical tower jam-packed with villains, monsters, and treasure to plunder. Your objective is simple, to ascend to the top and clear out the monsters en route. But it's no mean feat, believe you me. So to assist you, you can liberate from captivity one of a large number of assistants to aid you in your travels. Graphics 6 out of 10. Whilst the arcade graphics have been faithfully emulated throughout this port, some of the detailing on the sprites has been lost in order to ensure that all the twists and turns involved in the character's development is maintained. Whenever your followers hit what I would call a significant level, 1, 3, 5, and 7, their graphic color changes and their attacks become larger and more impressive. When you consider that there are quite a lot of these followers in the game, I can think of at least 8 off the top of my head. That's quite a few sets of graphics to chop and change between. But the game does so, and does so seamlessly, which is nice. These sprites are reasonably well-sized compared with the backgrounds, i.e. they are small to show that the areas in which you are fighting are huge. And the backgrounds themselves are reasonably varied in as much as you will go from level to level working your way up, but you will also have to travel from tower to tower across open stretches of causeway, being assailed by bats and other winged demons which zoom in from behind, so there is a scaling aspect to consider there. There's also a number of graphical foreground effects that take place from time to time as well, such as a rather nice heat haze that overpowers the screen when you enter areas with natural lava or other very hot substances kicking around. All told, the graphics are nice, but they aren't going to set your world alight. However, there is a lot going on on screen at any given time, and so the overall effect is quite impressive and varied. Sound, 6 out of 10. The sound in this game is, any word, varied. On the one hand, you have the music, which is nice, which varies from level to level, although when you consider how many levels there are in the game, 50, give or take, it's only natural for there to be repetition in the music, which is played on some of the levels you travel through. These sound effects, however, are a mixed bag. Some of them are decent, such as the sounds of explosion and rockfalls. Some of them are downright annoying, such as the irritating beeping that kicks off when you're almost dead, which will happen to you quite a bit, believe me. And whilst I never found myself wanting to turn the sound off, there were times I would have been very happy to just listen to the music, and that's not such a good thing for any game, is it? Equals period backslash. In fact, now that I come to think about it, the music is the only reason that I didn't give it a 5 out of 10 for the sound, so be warned. Controls, 7 out of 10. You can't really go wrong with the control method, as this is one of the most simplistic platform titles I have ever played. You can jump, you can hit, you can cast magic, which drains a significant portion of your health really that simple. When jumping, you can either jump up to a ledge or drop down from a ledge if you hold the down button when you jump. The only other command to take note of is how to free prisoners and open doors. You just press up, provided you have an appropriate key when you're by the door, and the game will sort the rest out for you. Simplicity itself. It takes about three seconds to master. Plot, 5 out of 10. Whilst you could be forgiven for thinking that there was no plot, I can tell you that there is. The tower you are to ascend is called Drakmar Keep, and you and your groups of aides and followers have been assembled to ascend the tower as the wizard that has summoned you all has seen the dragon's tower glowing red. Which is never a good sign, apparently. You are to find and destroy the black orb within the tower, which will ensure peace and prosperity return to your world. 
Simple, eh? It would appear that shortly after your departure for Drakmar Keep, all of your friends and followers are taken prisoner, and you must therefore liberate them by securing and using keys you will find in the tower so that they can assist you in your ongoing campaign. Gameplay, 8 out of 10. I have to say that whilst this game lacks a number of things, funst whilst fun whilst playing is not one of them. The game is fun in the same way that Gauntlet bows and pays homage to the great one, it says, was fun. It's graphically simple, quick to pick up with very limited options and extras, but gratifying on a level that plonks a big smile on your face whilst you're playing it. There are a number of areas which are good and bad, such as the general lack of sensation when you make contact with your enemies. That's a bad thing, by the way. I hate it when you strike somebody in a game and you feel as though you're hitting the air, and unfortunately that's ever-present in this port. What's good, however, is the sheer variety of followers you have available to you. Fine, you pick them up randomly, but once you have one you don't want to part with, unless they die, of course, and there are quite a few to cycle through. The Big Man, Amazon, Ninja, Cleric, Wizard, Thief, Knight, Lizard Man, all the ones that made the arcade title great. They're all in there, and they're all waiting for you. Having the assistance of one of these followers is great, but they also level up, which makes them even cooler. Once they reach levels 3, 5, and 7, they become stronger and sometimes undertake graphic changes as well, predominantly the color of their garb. Their attacks become larger and often change color, and you get the feeling that they are almost leveling up with you, which is great. There is a great deal of variety in the monsters you face, and a large number of mythical beasts have been included in the game as bosses, which is great, including the Chimera and quite a few different species of dragon. Defeating each of these monsters are your reward, usually in the form of a new type of weapon to carry, like a katana. And whilst you drop these if you are hit higher up the tower, you can always pick them up again if you're quick. So it's all gravy. Then there are the items you can pick up which benefit you in sometimes subtle and sometimes gross ways. The diamond ring, for example, must be used to bribe the lizard band to come fight to your side, whereas the gauntlet will increase your offensive power and so on. There's an element of strategy to the game that makes it enjoyable in a different way to just straightforward button mashing. There are also helpful hints which, you are, which are presented to you as you ascend from one level to the other, often about the level you are about to enter. E.g., poisoned mushroom will make you sleep, that kind of thing. So pay attention to those. It's the variety of scenes, enemies, allies, and power-ups that makes this game fun to play. In fairness, were it not for those things, the game would be really boring, almost like playing the same level 50 times over, which would only be fun for the masochists of you out there. Replay value, 7 out of 10. The game's developers have brought across something in this title which was available to you in the arcade version, and which I could never get quite my head around, but which I do like. And that's the option of which floor you want to start off adventuring on. The lowest is beginning, which starts you off in your village outside the tower, and the highest is level 33. It is this function which maintains the game's longevity and replay value, in my opinion. As even now, a good 17 years after the arcade game was released, I still go back to my Super NES copy and play a few levels because I can choose which level I want to start on. Therefore, if, say, I remember there was something on level 33 that rocks, like a boss I like or a type of enemy I had to fight, then I can just pick to start on that level and whammo! Away we go with instant gratification. Value for money, 5 out of 10. 
Unfortunately, given the age of the cart and the complexity in finding it, coupled with the fact that whilst it is enjoyable to play, it is by no means the best of its kind out there. I have to say that it only represents modest value for money to have and hold at this point. In fact, I'm not even sure I'd say it's worth all the hassle of tracking it down. However, it is the type of game that you will be able to pop on and enjoy the occasional session of if you've kept your copy in good nick. Overall, 6 out of 10. This is not an average. It says in parentheses, Magic Sword is a game which will never be listed amongst your most prized possessions, but which is nevertheless enjoyable to play, jam-packed with little bits and gameplay niceties, and can give you a good few hours of enjoyment if you really want to get stuck into it, even nowadays. The game is not addictive, it's just mindless fun to play, and whilst there are many considerably better platformer titles out there to choose from, in its fantasy setting, it's still the one I remember fondly, and not one which I shall intentionally part with anytime soon. It's neither the stuff of legend nor going to become a family heirloom, it's just a reminder of a pleasant memory. Main good points, loads of variety in items and the followers that assist you in game, loads of different power-ups to pick from, loads of uh, weapons to outfit your character with, loads of levels to battle with, loads of monsters of legend to do battle with. Main bad points, graphics and sound are acceptable but not amazing, there's visually no sensation of contact when you strike your enemies. So should you get it? If you enjoyed Gauntlet, the original, not Gauntlet Dark Legacy, for its simplicity and ease of play, then you might like to give this one a look. Yep. However, I would suggest you rent it rather than buy it, and then keep it if you really like it. That's safest. I definitely wouldn't pay top dollar for it, as it's nice, but not the best game by any means. Reviewers rating 3.0 out of 5. Fair. Uh, reviewed on September 4th, 2007. So uh, I don't know where you were renting games 11 years ago, but I don't know where you were renting Super Nintendo games 11 years ago, uh, Mr. Sinister. But there you go. Uh, you know what? This is a really good review. Good job. Um, I want to check something. Hold on. Okay, I'm back. I had a copy of this once, and I don't anymore. That's too bad. Uh, it was one of the games I probably bought after I'd had my Super Nintendo for a couple years, and I'm sure I bought it at, like, a pawn shop or something. Uh, good game. I, I mean, I like it. It is it is one of my favorite Capcom games um, that is not in, like, a Mega Man series. You know, it's, it's a really solid game. It's really fun. Everything that Mr. Sinister said was good. He's right. Everything... Excuse me. Everything that he said was not so great. He's right. I mean, it's it's an average game that I feel deserves an above average amount of respect.
Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, news time, let's do the news. Okay, our lead story, wait, what? In Dorking, England, Chris Hepworth, hey, I know a Chris Hepworth, uh, but he is not a uh, gay male and living in Dorking, England, uh, so not the same one. Uh, Chris Hepworth and his partner, Tanisha Price, oh, sorry, I presumed. Both of London dove across the finish line in 1 minute and 37 seconds, setting a course record and capturing the coveted UK wife-carrying championship on April 8th. Any adult couple can compete in the contest, married or not, regardless of gender, which consists of one team member carrying the other, most using the Estonian carry with the wife upside down, her legs over her partner's shoulders and gripping him around the waist from behind. About 40 pairs competed over the quarter-mile course, strewn with hay bales and mud, Reuters reported. Hepworth and Prince plan to move on to the world finals in Finland. I think a Finnish guy wins it every year, Hepworth noted, so it'll be good to go there and take him down. Quarter mile in a minute 37. Carrying a lady. Not bad. What's in a name? In Ohio in 20, uh, 2004, excuse me, 2004 perhaps, six-year-old Alex Malarkey spent two months in a coma after a car accident, awaking, awakening, excuse me, awaking, awakening, I don't know. As a quadriplegic and telling his family he had visited heaven, seen angels, and meeting Jesus. Alex and his dad, Kevin Malarkey, co-wrote the best-selling book in 2010, quote, The Boy Who Came Back From Heaven. But in 2015, Alex admitted he had made up the story to get attention. I did not die. I did not go to heaven, Alex told The Guardian. In a recent effort to set the record straight, Alex filed a complaint. Uh, April 9th in DuPage County, Illinois against the book's publisher, Tyndale House, alleging that, quote, any reasonable person would have realized that it was highly unlikely that the content of the book was true. The Washington Post reported that while Kevin Malarkey is not a part of the suit, which cites several Illinois statutes regarding the right to privacy, defamation, and financial exploitation of a person with a disability, among others, it does allege that Alex's dad concocted the story and sold it to Tyndale. The younger Marlarkey did not receive any royalties from the sales of the book. Who there would not have been a book without. Just adding that. The continuing crisis, Richland Carousel Park in Mainsfield, Ohio, a family-oriented destination, just wanted to provide a seasonal attraction for kids who wanted to pose for a picture with the Easter Bunny. But LaDonna Huguet, 54, had other things in mind on March 24th when she plopped into the bunny's lap, grabbed him in inappropriate ways, and made lewd comments, reported Fox 8 Cleveland. She then moved on to ride a horse on the carousel, also in ways witnesses described as lewd. As soon as you think you hear it all, said Mansfield Assistant Police Chief Keith Porch, I've never heard of somebody performing those types of acts on the Easter Bunny. Hugo was arrested for public drunkenness and is no longer welcome at the amusement park. Worry not, though, she will be running for president in 2020. The hypnotic power of special sauce. McDonald's drive throughs are a chill place to be, if three recent evidence are any indication. On March 17th, police officers called to a McDonald's restaurant in Okeechobee, Florida, found Daryl James Geller of West Palm Beach had passed out in his car while waiting in line. Geller was arrested for driving on a suspended license, a crime for which he had been charged three previous times. 
But that's just the tip of the ice cream cone. The Okeechobee News reported that in January, an Okeechobee woman was charged with DUI after passing out in a different area McDonald's drive-thru. And in December, a Texas man also received a DUI for nodding off in the line at the same McDonald's. You know, maybe it's not that they're really chill. Maybe it's that they're really slow. I hate McDonald's. I will never eat at a McDonald's. Ever. Anyway, ew! Workers renovating the old Dayton's department store in downtown Minneapolis came across an unusual vine in early April. The mummified remains of a monkey. The store apparently had a pet department in the 1960s, and the Minneapolis St. Paul Business Journal reported that Stephen LeBeau, who worked in the building in the early 2000s, heard stories of a monkey escaping into an air conditioning duct where it may have met its fate in the form of an exhaust fan. In fact, the mummy does show an injury to the abdomen. We continue to find pieces of history in the Dayton project as we redevelop the building. Caitlin Rogers, a spokeswoman for the redevelopment team, told the Minneapolis Star Tribune... Meanwhile, if that's not enough, at Bull City Burger and Brewery in Durham, North Carolina, April is Exotic Meat Month. Ooh, meat's gone wild. This year, according to WTVD, the restaurant offered a tarantula challenge. Customers were invited to enter their name in a raffle, and if chosen, would could claim a $30 tarantula burger, which included a pasture-raised beef patty, gruyere cheese, spicy chili sauce, and an oven-roasted zebra tarantula. Those who finished the burger received a commemorative Tarantula Challenge t-shirt. Our next story, oddly unrelated, do not eat. Uh, actually, three stories? Okay, sure. An unnamed Chinese man. Oh, more unnamed people. They're everywhere. Accidentally swallowed a plastic and metal lighter 20 years ago. Two, he neglected to seek metal attention until recently when he began experiencing stomach pains and other symptoms we'd rather not detail here. Three. In early April, using a camera inserted in the man's body to locate the lighter, doctors at, oh boy, Duyangjiang Medical Center in Chengdu, China, Sichuan Province, performed not one, but two surgeries to extract the item. The Global Times reported that the lighter had been severely corroded by gastric juices. Next, again, oddly enough, not tied into the others, my weird obsession. You may have read that the company that makes NECA wafers announced in March that would have to shut down in May unless a buyer was found. What? Why? NECA wafers are amazing. Look, I know. Just trust me. Since then, crazed Neko fans have been stockpiling candy. Neko waivers are up 150%, CandyStore.com reported in a blog post. A clear signal of panic buying. Oh boy. Katie Samuels, 23 of Florida, tried to strike a deal with CandyStore.com, a wholesaler. I offered to trade my 2003 Honda Accord for all of their stock, Samuels told the Boston Globe. I don't have much right now, so I was like, I've got this car, and I want all that candy, so maybe they would consider it. Candy Store didn't accept her offer, but Samuels did buy 48 rolls of candy using her credit card. Guys, somebody buy it. There's clearly a market. Oops, officials in the city of Vordingborg, Jordlingborg, Denmark, uh, planned the demolition of a 170-foot-tall silo months ahead of the event, but as onlookers cheered the explosion on April 6th, 6th excuse me, April 6th, a dark day. The tower toppled the wrong direction. Oh no, landing on a waterfront library at a music school. Also, oh no. No injuries were reported. The most serious oh no of all. According to the Guardian and the library interior, while covered with dust, sustained no serious damage. 
And our last story, Picky Picky. In Manchester, England, 75-year-old Peter Vitham or Vipham? Vitham. I like Vitham. Of Rottenstall, Lancashire, was shocked. Shocked, I tell you. On April 11th, when he was approached in the city center by two women who identified themselves as law enforcement. The officers told Vitham, a retired shoemaker, that he had been filmed littering when a small crumb of pork pie had been... Uh, he had been eating, fell to the ground, and he flicked another crumb off his coat. Vifum offered to pick up the crumbs, but told Metro News he was not giving the opportunity to view the video footage, and he refused to pay the fine. If I had dropped litter, I would pay the 50-pound fine, but I would never drop litter. I'm against litter. 100%. I hate it, Vifum declared. A Manchester City Council spokesperson said the city would review the evidence and contact Vifum to discuss his case. Vitham, while being from England, does not have a British accent. Note them. White man went to Africa with rifles and Bibles. Came back in the 80s because he's spiteful with a new recital. A vaccine he's Very well, ladies and gentlemen, you have reached the end of the show, and for that, you deserve a special prize. You shall live. Briefly, in a universal sense. But thank you for listening. All the same, uh, that's very kind of you to spend your time listening to me just talk to a computer monitor for 
upwards of an hour to you know a week uh thanks for listening for reels and uh you know you can find all the stuff electricleftovers.net uh youtube facebook twitter instagram all the places and uh i want to shout out an extra special thanks to akira the don uh, who I haven't thanked in a while for uh, providing the music for the show, even though he didn't particularly make it for the show. He was kind enough to let me use his tunes for the show. Uh, find him on all the other social media places as well, and his website, which I believe is just akirathedawn.com. He's a super fine fellow and uh, deserves more recognition, I believe. Uh, keep an eye out for Roll Film this week. Uh, of course and if you enjoy the show please uh leave a review like comment subscribe whatever um you can do that at a uh, lowbiasgaming.net if you are so inclined you can sign up for a free account there and you can find electric leftovers episodes archived with playlists information and all of that in the forums thanks for listening see you next week Brought to you by...